0: On this week's episode of Let's Talk About It, we're going to give our review of the hit HBO show, Lovecraft Country, including the origins of the story behind the show, some symbolism and storylines within the show, and how we felt watching it. And in our relationship section, we're going to talk about how to maintain relationships with people that you don't agree with politically. Now you're listening, and you're here. Let's talk about it. Well, hello there. Yo. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm Malcolm Morgan.
1: And I'm Micah Morgan.
0: And we're so excited to be back with you guys. We took a week off. We did. But we missed you guys too much to stay away for too long.
1: Indeed.
0: So, my love, how are you doing
1: today? I feel like I should say something different.
0: You should be more prepared for this.
1: (laughs) I'm alive. That I'm grateful for that.
0: evidenced by your voice on the microphone. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, you know. Yep. <laughs> How are you?
0: I, I'm, I don't know now. I'm a little concerned about my existence.
1: No, you should be fine. Huh? Mm. <laughs>
0: so if you're listening to this, um,
1: mm. you
0: are probably voting, just came for voting, and hopefully planning to vote.
1: I mean, it'd be kind of cool if you were listening to this while waiting in the line to vote.
0: That would be really cool.
1: That would make us a part of your voting experience. It's true.
0: So Mm. no matter how you're enjoying this podcast, whether it's on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday.
1: Saturday or Sunday.
0: uh, Even a month (laughs) from now, these episodes (laughs) are timeless.
1: Yeah, they're
0: timeless.
1: (laughs) 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 However and whenever you come, we're glad you're here.
0: Um, so yeah, check in with us. Uh, the tone of our next episode will let us know what happened at the, during the election. <laughs> there will be some kind of evidence in our tone <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> oh man, so mm-hmm.
0: let's talk about this show that is sweeping the Twitter sphere
1: or swept,
0: swept the Twitter <laughs> sphere. It's still <laughs> By this point, there's people that are still watching it, it's true. Um, we might go back and rewatch it. I want to. Yes.
1: Yeah. So worth love, it.
0: Lovecraft Country. Um, I think, I don't know when I saw the trailer for this, but when I saw the trailer for it, I was pretty much all in at that point.
1: Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. And I think we were both, I mean, that's usually how watching TV happens for the both of us. We're both sitting there <laughs> yes. and we just looked at each other and we were like, uh yes, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, it didn't take much. Mm-hmm. I mean, our our tastes tend to gravitate toward the sci-fi region, you know, action. And then of course it was pretty much in all people of color cast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were mm-hmm. in for several reasons.
0: Yeah. And then we saw Jordan Peele was attached, who obviously we're a fan of. J.J. J. Abrams was attached, who mm-hmm. I know that we're uh, a fan of. I don't know if Micah fully understands how much of a fan of J.J. J. Abrams she is. Yeah. Mostly
1: uh, because I don't really remember names of people.
0: <laughs> he did Cloverfield. <laughs> who
1: are famous. Yes, I
0: really like the Clover, Cloverfield movies. And then he also did the latest Star Trek trilogy. Or do they do three i guess they did three and then the latest star wars trilogy he did as well
1: oh i didn't know that
0: he um he directed two of them i think he was producer for all three um, and then misha green we didn't get a chance to watch underground which was kind of her like breakout oh i didn't show. know that either yeah wow um, i
1: need to know more things yeah
0: but i heard really good things about about that show just never we don't Watch things when they're on television, and so mm-hmm. if they're not streaming somewhere,
1: yeah, we're bingers. Yeah,
0: so I, I don't know in any of our favorite shows, other than like this one, I think Sunday night uh, HBO shows are like our go-to to watch mm-hmm. when they're on. But for the most part, we just watch things whenever they're streamable.
1: Yeah, I think that might be my fault though, because I I will have pretty visceral reactions to things that I can't <laughs> that I can't bend.
0: I don't know if it's your fault. I mean, we just don't, like... We don't...
1: We don't have time. Well,
0: we, Yeah, we're not necessarily sitting there, like, on the TV looking for something to watch. Like Indeed. When we watch something, it's because we have been thinking about it or saved it and been waiting mm-hmm. to watch it, or it's a new season of a show that we've been watching.
1: <laughs> not, not that our our uh let's talk about it family needed the whole rundown of
0: i know this is ri- <laughs> this is riveting why well,
1: we watch things
0: riveting content? <laughs> but, but
1: if you're still listening thank you
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah lovecraft country micah why don't you take a stab at describing this movie for people because oh
1: i'm not even going to yeah. what is what is the video that we saw on facebook <laughs> <laughs> facebook someone trying to
0: describe and it sounds like a fever dream
1: it's indescribable it really is um yeah
0: <laughs> so so it's a little bit of a sci-fi horror thriller
1: historical social historical, sat-
0: satire. <laughs> it's just it's got and it it's
1: it's got a little bit of everything and every
0: episode is a little different um
1: I would say yeah
0: um so you're not even gonna try to like give a synopsis
1: oh okay so there's there's this young man named Atticus yes. and, or tick or tick. As he is affectionately named. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, if I recall correctly, receives a letter mm-hmm. supposedly from his father. Mm-hmm. And this letter asks for him to come look for his dad or rescue his dad. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Um, And so, he and his uncle, George, Mm -hmm. and an old friend from school named Letty, Mm -hmm. they all hop in the car Mm -hmm. named Woody. Um, (laughs) The car is named Woody. The car has a name. (laughs) Everything has a name.
0: Um, Especially for black people, cars have names.
1: Mm, This is true. Shout out to old Blanche. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they hop in the car and they head out to a place called... what? It, Ardum. Ardum. Yes. Ardum. I guess that's the name of the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when they get there, they discover this, gosh, mansion mm-hmm. with two white people,
0: there's, allegedly there's multiple white people, but yes, yes,
1: but there's two main ones. Mm-hmm. One is William, and the other is Christina, mm-hmm. right? Am I getting getting I, names. I believe so. Um and. I mean, their interactions with these two people are pretty shrouded Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, Of course, this is set in, what, the 50s-ish, regardless of when it was set. These were times when white people and black people did not just, you know, hang out. So the fact that George, Tick, and Letty arrived to this house and were welcomed into it by William and Christina... Was already weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but they end up encountering some some magic while in this mansion. And William and Christina's... I think the way they frame it is it's Christina's dad. Mm-hmm. Who's also in the mansion. Um,
0: you were right. 1950s, by the way.
1: Nice. I mean, it was purely a guess. Um, yeah. So Christina's dad tries to do this weird... Uh, Ritual that involved Putting Tick in a robe And in the middle of this Circle in the basement (laughs) This probably sounds Very strange to our listeners Who haven't watched it Um, And He starts speaking this weird language Lights, camera Lots of Weird things happen And the building collapses And Tick Letty and george make it out but i think by this point they've also found Tick's dad too right yes yes
0: <laughs> so i'll be honest i was hoping for more like an overview of the whole you're like going like <laughs> we're still in the first episode by the way. this is it was just, just the <laughs> first
1: episode but i feel like this is i mean that was a important mm-hmm setting the stage Mm -hmm. kind of an episode um all of that to say
0: so i could give you a i could read you what it says on wikipedia about the show
1: you know what i don't trust wikipedia no i'm just kidding
0: anyways (laughs) lovecraft country follows atticus freeman as he joins up with his friend leticia or letty as we're as we've been calling her and his uncle george to embark on a road trip across 1950s jim crow america in search of his missing father this begins to struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. Um, so a little bit of background about the Lovecraft story. Um, what helps kind of shape this is that the original writer of, um, writer is HP Lovecraft. Um, is who,
1: it HP or HP
0: HP Lovecraft. Um, and so, he was the origin, right origin of all of these monsters and storylines that mm-hmm. show up in this book, are in these in these books. Um, but he was a violent racist, anti semite. Pretty much anything that wasn't white,
1: it would it would seem that he was, yeah. Um,
0: and he would purposefully keep black people out of his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. The show is actually based on novels by the same name from Matt Ruff, who kind of took these stories and instead of excluding black people, made black people the center of the story. Mm-hmm. So all of these monsters and fantasies, and all these things are happening in a black context.
1: Which um, really revolutionizes this. Essentially racist origin. Yes,
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um and so misha green who is the writer of the show and is i guess she's a showrunner so she developed the show
2: mm-hmm.
0: um she read the original hp lovecraft books and obviously did not like them um, Understandable for you know
3: Obvious any reasons. number of reasons
0: <laughs> um and, racism but she saw <laughs> but she read the matt Ruff story and that's where she got the inspiration to to write and develop this mm-hmm. show um and so that kind of gives us a little bit of context for some of the things that we see um in terms of race relations where they set the movie in, and obviously the segregated 1950s um i believe they're in chicago is where tick and them are from or at least the chicago area yeah it's chicago, it is chicago.
1: you're doing better than me i barely knew where we, where we were for the whole show which wasn't bad <laughs> I didn't mind that. (laughs) But yeah, so this is a very, I mean, as you could tell from my um, pretty much failed attempt at describing the show, there's lots of layers Mm -hmm. and lots of room for commentary Mm -hmm. um, for Misha to make on race relations. And Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite kind of comments I think she was making, commentary Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that I think she was making is... Um, what it can look like for the black hero and heroine to take back very common themes that are usually given to white heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and all throughout the show, there are just different ways that the main characters are taking back power mm-hmm. um, from white people. I think one of my favorite is um, with D. Who is, oh my goodness, George and Hippolyta. So Tick's uncle George and his wife Hippolyta, they have a daughter named Dee. And sadly, her best friend in you know, in the show is killed. Um, and I think the way that they they write it is Dee's best friend's death is pretty much a mirror of Emmett Till's death. Um, and Emmett Till was, of course, killed by white people because he allegedly cat called a white woman mm-hmm. which we found out recently was a lie
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we, knew it, that th- we
0: knew that then
1: too I mean we knew that then but the fact that the woman actually came out recently and admitted that she lied was yeah it was quite infuriating mm-hmm. so there's that
3: <laughs> um,
1: but D you know of course she's having to grieve the death of her best friend but she's also confronted with the fact that the police officers in her town are using magic mm-hmm. um, to essentially maintain power. And so there's a moment where she's confronted by these white officers um, because somehow they figure out that she's connected with Hippolyta, who, you know, if you watch the show, Hippolyta discovers um a gateway to to use magic in a more efficient way. I'll just say it that way. Um and these police officers find out about it. But you see when D is confronted by the police officers, of course she's scared, but there's a turn in the episode where she becomes very determined to figure out where her mom is and She ends up going to the police officer's office and demanding that they give her a way to figure out, you know, how to find her mom. And she strikes a deal with them. And so it's just it's amazing to see her. This child, I think she's only like 12 or 13 in the show. um, Mm -hmm. This beautiful black girl just come into her own and and really walk in power and strength Mm -hmm. in the face of these white officers who are not only abusing their own human power but we're also abusing magic on top of that Mm -hmm. so that's just like one very like small sliver of the ways that misha is kind of turning these power differentials and power dynamics on their head um in really dramatic ways that was one of my favorite things about the show
0: yeah um it's it's really interesting how they use how they kind of cross magic and science together in this story Um, And kind of turn some of those things on his head. So to understand a little bit more about this story, um, Atticus's family seems to have a birthright to to this power. Because um, because I guess some some of Atticus's descendants kind of learned to understand and use some of this power. Um, And so
1: but they also shared their blood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because yes. the way back descendant of Christina and William mm-hmm. um, got one of Atticus's ancestors pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there can be assumptions about whether that was consensual or not. Yes. But yeah. So Atticus is tied to this magic, to this power
0: mm-hmm.
1: by blood as well. Yeah.
0: Um, so you see this this struggle throughout the movie where Atticus is trying to learn more about this power, but Christina is trying to use this power to basically make herself immortal. Immortal Mm -hmm. is is kind of the premise. She's trying to do this spell to make herself immortal, but she needs Atticus's blood in order to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And Atticus is really exploring this whole new world that's open to him that at this point was never even... Um, he didn't he, he'd only read about it in books. It didn't mm-hmm. realize that he had access to these things. Yeah. Um, and so one of the interesting points in the movie is um, Letty's sister. Um, Letty oh, is Atticus's Ruby. friend. Ruby um, <sighs> doesn't get along with her sister at all. No. Um, but somehow I can't remember how she kind of comes across uh, Christina. Um but well, Christina
1: hunts Ruby down. That's true. Mm-hmm. She hunts.
0: She hunts Ruby down as her brother, as Christina's brother. Yes. Um, so there
1: is the cat walking out of the bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> William and Christina are the same person. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: um, and so, she gives Ruby the ability to become a white woman
1: Mm -hmm. literally literally it's not a metaphor
0: she gives her this potion that allows her to become a white woman um and ruby gets a chance to go and you know live a life as a white woman you know she i think the i think what they're the dichotomy they try to build is that ruby is trying to get this job i believe that's at a department store Mm -hmm. and she can't even get in the door Mm -mm. but as soon as she is able to turn to this white woman she goes for the interview and gets the job on the spot
1: absolutely
0: um but
1: there's plenty of commentary and what she loses yes in the process yes
0: um so there's this weird excuse me christina tries to make it seem like she's giving her this power <laughs> for, for <free>. altruistic reasons <laughs> right but we knew better right um and so for a while Ruby just kind of goes a- along with it and kind of just basically gets to live two lives.
1: And I think what was respectable about Ruby at first, mm-hmm. but I think it began to make many of us angry, mm-hmm. was Ruby was honest about why she was going along with Christina's mm-hmm. assumed altruism and it mm-hmm. was it was to get what she wanted, mm-hmm. which was, you know, this job um at the department store. Mm-hmm. And so I think in in the beginning, a lot of us as the audience were kind of like, you know what? Yeah, like use use what you can to get what you can. We respect that. But then there were some compromises that mm-hmm. Christina asked of Ruby that essentially put Letty and Tick in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see the ways that Ruby's selfishness yeah. really, I mean, it really... Makes you confront a choice that I think, I mean, I don't want to use absolutes, but many people of color have to make where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, there are going to be opportunities where you can, you know, attain more power. Yeah. But a lot of that ends up being at the risk of, or, you know, I'm my brain isn't grabbing phrases right now, but In lieu of or in the place of relationships with, you know, other people of color, Mm -hmm. your family, your friends. Mm -hmm. And you see Ruby making these compromises and they as the as the storyline progresses, you're looking at her like, girl, (laughs) you're just going to you're just going to let Letty and and Tick just be out here so that you can have access to this power that Christine is giving you. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a very like. Uncomfortable tension that Misha confronted us with in Ruby's character
0: yeah, yeah and then there's this there's this moment um trying to tell the story without telling everything is hard uh, <laughs> but there's this moment where um after she's gone in and kind of gotten a little bit of revenge against a white man who was uh a
1: little bit of revenge yes is that how we're phrasing how
0: else do you want you want me to (laughs) go into detail and describe what happened
1: it was a lot of of
0: revenge. (laughs) (laughs) um she has this moment where she's trying to connect with with christina and she's like look i just want you to like understand where i'm coming from i want you to feel i want you to feel and christina basically is like i I, I don't i don't i don't feel i think
1: she like blatantly says i don't care
0: yeah basically i mean
1: and this is during d's best friend's funeral uh you know which as i mentioned before yes this was
0: yes the emmett till yeah yeah.
1: the emmett Emmett till-esque funeral
0: everyone is just raw for all of us yeah
1: and so there's a moment too where i mean yeah i think all of us were joining in with Ruby as she's confronting Christina and asking for Christina to have some empathy. Mm -hmm. But then some of us kind of step back like, well, why are you even Mm -hmm. at Christina's Mm -hmm. house in the first place? You know? So there was really this, this, uh, yeah, just this tension, this, um, this pulling of allegiances Mm -hmm. for Ruby that she's just constantly being torn between. Um, and it, it got, it got, kind of hard to watch
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think what that that moment is one of, is one of several moments uh so there's a scene early in the movie when um atticus his uncle and letty are trying to get to artem and they're driving through a sundown town and so if you don't know what a sundown town is, oh it is it is basically any town or county where white people decided we better not see black people out here and if we do we're going to kill you essentially
1: after the sun goes after
0: the sun goes down so they're trying to. it
1: was a real thing too we're not making this up
0: yes so they're trying to get through this county the cops are on their tail Uh, no 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 back up they actually are leaving a town because they tried to eat at a restaurant um and and it was a all-white establishment they did not know that Mm -hmm. and so the town basically was like oh we about to kill these black folks mm-hmm. um and so they're trying to escape and so in a separate car that as they're trying to leave christina kind of pulls in between them and the other car stops the people from getting them um the other cars crash christina saves them
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but once again this is not for altruistic reasons that christina means. has ulterior motives she knows who atticus is she knows that she needs his blood mm-hmm. to do the ritual to make her uh, make her immortal she also knows that that Ruby is Letty's sister and at some point it's gonna become it's useful. gonna she's gonna become useful to her. Mm-hmm. Um so this I think something that they brought up with these storylines is white allyship and that can mm-hmm. white allyship exist beyond white motives.
1: Or white consumerism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like Christina was helping Atticus was helping ruby Mm -hmm. but only as it served her own purpose and when it stopped serving her purpose it was not useful for her to help them anymore like when it came down to feel for ruby and to like really emote with her Mm -hmm. she couldn't even do it when it came down to atticus trying to learn more about this power and use this power to protect his family she wasn't willing to do that because that means that she couldn't be immortal yeah um and so i think that's a, a a struggle that people of color have
2: mm-hmm.
0: particularly in our country is because we want white allies. And even at times where it seems like they're on our side, there's a certain point where they just can't fully. <laughs> Cause it, if you really want to give up, if you, if we really believe that white supremacy is, is so prevalent and that it is the problem that it does, it, it requires you to give up something. Indeed. And so are you going to be willing to give up that something? And I think, misha in this story is saying saying that no no
1: (laughs) no and i don't know if you're purposefully using the word can't that that these in in the storyline that the white allies like christina weren't able to i think i would say that the the message misha was sending is that they just weren't weren't willing to like, it wasn't about ability. Christina very much had the ability to share her power. Absolutely. Um, but she chose not to, because mm-hmm. like you said, it didn't serve her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that you brought up in our conversations as we were processing is even alongside of that subplot, this subplot of white allyship kind of running shallow,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, you noticed that there was this constant trauma bonding yeah. that yeah. the cast, you know, the characters were doing mm-hmm. and gosh, I mean, we could have a whole episode of how people of color in America have learned how to mm-hmm. bond over our trauma, mm-hmm. but you would see constantly throughout the show after moments of near
0: death or before moments or,
1: or right before. Yep. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You would see these characters, you know, Letty Atticus, Um, George, you know, sharing intimate moments together or, you know, laughing together or just bonding or reminiscing. And it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. And you see how their relationships just got stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the show because Mm -hmm. they learned like, look, (laughs) it's us against them. Mm -hmm. We only have each other. Yeah. Let's stick together like this. You you're all I got, you know, and it's it's just really beautiful to see the ways that Misha pulled that out yeah. and juxtaposed it with this very um, self-absorbed con- mm-hmm. consumeristic behavior from Christina mm-hmm. um, and Christina, you know, you see her pretty much acting alone Mm -hmm. in the entire show. So it's also a very interesting contrast as well. You see this woman who wants to, you know, get and acquire all of this power, but she's not sharing it with anyone.
0: Sacrifices her own brother.
1: Sacrifices her own brother. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And she's being outwitted, outsmarted by these beautiful black people who have learned how to stick together, Mm -hmm. that we're going to share power. We're going to share knowledge with one another Mm -hmm. and they ultimately win. So, I think Misha's saying something there too, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, One more thing before we, they spent a lot of time talking about, not talking about, but going through each character's history.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And I had a really hard time like articulating this when we talked about this before we did the podcast, but it seems like everybody just really had a very especially the black characters had a very complicated history it wasn't straightforward mm-hmm. um you know atticus's uncle dad um <laughs> had um a complicated history letty we learn a lot about her past mm-hmm. um a Attic- lot of
1: emotional abuse for letty yeah mm-hmm.
0: um and and um and tick and yeah tick and his father
1: oh that's right father yeah.
0: and uncle um so it's like the the white side of this of the equation was a little bit more straightforward. Hey, this is our birthright.
3: Mm, yeah.
0: This is our birthright, and I want it back. Whereas the black characters in the show are really dealing with a lot of emotional baggage that, that really weighs them down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, a lot of trauma, yeah. traumatic experiences mm-hmm. um, that are happening all throughout this movie. And I think that's really emblematic of a lot of Our stories as black Black Americans, it's Mm -hmm. it's not pretty. It's not. It's not. (laughs) And and in many ways, it weighs us. It weighs us down in so many. Whether it's emotionally, whether it's Mm -hmm. spiritually, whatever, um, those things can weigh us down and really don't allow us to see things clearly. Um, I think you know we saw like with Atticus, it was almost like you saw like a few different versions of him. Like Mm -hmm. he was in the in the beginning of the movie, he's very like. He seems very astute and like calm
2: mm-hmm. and
0: learned and educated. Mm-hmm. But then you see this like really reactive, emotional, almost angry yeah. version of him that like, that closes off.
1: It wasn't until he reconnected with his dad that we saw that part of him. Yeah. And so
0: That trauma. hmm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, as I'm as I'm hearing you think out loud about this. I'm wondering if Misha is, is, you know, or the writing team, you know, um, if they're just presenting like finally the complexity of black lives, Mm -hmm. because in so many situations, black characters in cinema are just flattened to, you know, some caricature And I think there was so much nuance in each of the main characters in this show. And maybe Misha was just trying to say, like, look, this is this is the real version of as as real as it can get. Right. Um, This is the real version of this non monolithic black experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that we need more of. Mm -hmm. Or was she trying to kind of pull out. The ways that white history is very neatly written out and, you know, first A happened, then B happened, and then Mm -hmm. C happened, and then D. Uh And, you know, that's kind of this element of... What is it? How does the saying go? Like history is told by the victors, or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um. So maybe she was trying to kind of juxtapose, like, yeah, yeah you know, this is this is the other side of a whitewashed or a yeah. white-told history.
0: I mean, I, I, to reiterate that the when Tick has a moment to go, he goes into the future, um, and, mm-hmm. and finds out that his son r- writes the book that is the Lovecraft Country book. Yeah. Um. And so what they're trying to do in the present he reads the book and sees what the future in the book is mm-hmm. and is trying to change it.
1: But it ends up still happening. But it ends up still. <laughs> <laughs> happening.
0: Um, so it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're the, the history. We, we don't have a chance to like really forge or change our future mm. um, where, where Christina, she I think she felt a, a level of inevitability that this would happen. Um, interesting that, that she would get her way yeah that,
1: she felt entitled
0: um and whereas the black characters really had a hope that they could change hmm. that they could change things
2: mm-hmm.
0: um whereas christina expected it like yeah of no, course this is set yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna manipulate all of this to get my way so that i could be a border where i just taking them or like okay i know what the book says i know what yeah It's supposed to be. I know I've been told that I'm going to die, but I'm going to change it.
1: Which is another, like, goodness, there's so many elements of this show that we could talk about forever, but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: black hope. Yeah. You know, like, there is a supernatural ability for black people to maintain hope Mm. in America. Yeah how i don't know (laughs) you know what i mean like everything in this story was pointing to the inevitability of christina succeeding Mm -hmm. and you see moment after moment of tick and letty and george hippolyta saying no we're still gonna try Mm -hmm. like so i think there was a moment like you said where where tick basically says like but there's another future yeah like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yes,
1: that's what this future says. Cause mm-hmm. he had already gone into the future and seen it, mm-hmm. but he was like, but there's another
3: one. Mm-hmm.
1: And I like, for me, for someone who has to practice hope, yeah. I don't naturally like
3: mm-hmm. come
1: by hope. That was just really beautiful for me to see in this story mm-hmm. alongside of all of the monsters and magic, <laughs> you know, this portrayal of black hope. It was just really beautiful.
0: I mean, think about what his uncle George does. He, he, he puts his uncle Writes a guide that is supposed to help black people travel. <sighs> Makes a list of roads, routes, restaurants, restaurants. hotels that are going to serve them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that they will feel safe. And he- I mean, while he's doing this, he's driving through all of these sundown towns. <laughs> trying them out for himself. Trying them out for himself. And so... Sure, there might be some a chance that you could hit all of these things perfectly and be fine. But knowing what the 1950s is like, what mm. Jim Crow was like at that time, what is the real reality that you're going to make it through, <laughs> even yeah, very with slim. even with this guide,
1: <laughs> <Very slim. laughs>
0: that you're going to make it through this unscathed? Mm. It's like he was dealing hope to these people. Like these people got this thing thinking, okay, wow. this this is my. For lack of a better word, this is my Bible for travel that is going to wow. get me to where I need to go safely.
1: <laughs> wow. Dealing hope. Yeah. Man.
0: Y'all, this is straight off the dome. We didn't talk about this. This is brand new. We're, we're, we're figuring this out as we're talking.
1: <laughs> External processing. <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> yeah, man. I Look, this is, you know, we say this often in this podcast. We could talk about this forever. forever. But what we will end with is we absolutely recommend if absolutely. you haven't watched this yeah. or if you're debating on whether you go back and watch it yeah. for a second time. Like, yes, the answer is yes. And this it, is very well done.
0: And be, it takes you, you have to really dig deep. Like yeah. it's not, it's not one of those things that you can watch. in at first glance, I can be like, I got everything. <laughs> no, you're going to have to watch, watch it. Now you're
1: going to get something.
0: You'll get something off the surface, but you need to watch it and think about it afterwards. <laughs> And then watch it, and then like we're we're gonna go back and watch the show again, and maybe we'll do a a second watcher's review of it oh, or something. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. But it's a lot of things, especially as as black people, white people, you don't have to listen to this part. Black people, there's just some stuff that we'll we'll get a kick out of that we'll laugh with. Like the, we could talk about this all day, but the last thing I want to talk about is that moment where they're going to that climax scene um, where Tick is trying to. He, everybody's in the in what's the name of the car? Woody would everybody's in woody and they're heading to this climactic scene where they're going to go face christina for the last time and they all know where they're going they all know what this is going to probably entail (laughs) and they all just have a little sing-along in the car
1: (gasps) they do (laughs) oh what were they singing i don't remember the
0: song Um,
1: oh but it was beautiful
0: it's a it's a great moment so like even um i saw a twitter video of I'm assuming if, of when they actually shot the scene. Cause it's the same, it's the same video. It's just shot. You could actually see it without all the editing, but like Michael K Williams who played, um, who played tick step da- uncle dad, um, doesn't know the words to the song. And that's so right. when I saw it in the show, I was like, he doesn't know the words, but, that's then, all right. but then I saw the raw video and he starts, <laughs> He they're trying to sing to the part. He's a little off and, uh, Letty, who's played by Journey Smollett, looks at him and says, "You don't know." <laughs> but it's this moment where they're just all like, it, you can, it's just like the purest joy, joy and fun that they're having. And as a black person, like I completely understand.
1: Black that. joy is the best.
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, so we would love to hear your thoughts on Lovecraft Country. Um, if you have watched it, if you've watched some of it, if you stopped watching it, we still love to hear about it. So use the hashtag at talk about not at good gracious hashtag (laughs) talk about about it pod pod. talk about it pod and let us know what you thought of the show did you learn something from this podcast that you didn't know before we'd love to just hear anything you have to say about the show
1: love to hear it all so hmm here we arrive at the second part of our podcast short
0: segment (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, so today something happened, mm. Um, and by the time you listen to this, or by the time this drops, I don't know if we're going to know what, our <laughs> what the decision is for our president. We,
0: we won't know. Well, this drops pretty early on Tuesday. This so. does
1: drop pretty early, so we're going to be in the thick of things. But the question arises, how do we maintain relationships with folks who have really different political views um
0: we don't uh,
1: (laughs) the end (laughs) no um there's obviously more to it than that (laughs) but i mean to begin the conversation with a very obvious statement it's very difficult right like this Mm -hmm. is not this is not like unicorns and butterflies kind of stuff we're talking about um i think what What we're discovering, maybe not discovering, but what is being put in front of us even more recently is that politics are not this aloof, abstract thing that doesn't affect people. Like I think in the last four years, we've really seen how people's lives have been affected by what decisions people make at the polls. Mm -hmm. And so to ask ourselves, how do we maintain relationships with folks who have different political views is to ask well, how do we maintain relationships with people who make decisions who that directly affect our lives?
0: And then let's let's make the distinction that differing political views are, I believe, taxes should be higher so that we can provide more social services versus I think taxes should be lower mm-hmm. so people could spend the money how they would like to spend it. That is a political difference. Mm. Um, a political difference is not uh whether or not a person of a certain race should have rights <laughs> or be in this country at all
1: but see that's what's interesting mm. is the conversation for for us mm-hmm. for black people like we I think it's very it's easier for people who are marginalized and oppressed systemically in this country to see how. That is, I'm having trouble saying, (laughs) I'm having trouble putting this into words. Um, We see how certain decisions at the polls end up Mm -hmm. as a commentary on groups of people having certain rights. Yeah. But the way it ends up being discussed across the aisle is with these other terms that just get assigned to it they're like no it's not about you know certain groups of people not having rights it's just about what i think about such and such Mm -hmm. and so it becomes this kind of gaslighting crazy making Mm -hmm. where you have people of color you know the lgbtq community you know native people they're all looking at like other people like whoa no like this you're in the decisions that you're making are grouping us into disenfranchised groups Mm -hmm. like and it it seems so obvious to us but you have people kind of assigning different language to it and Mm -hmm. i think that as you might be sensing right now is one of the most infuriating things about it um is that language is being weaponized Mm -hmm. Against people So that People are calling things one thing And it's it's just not that simple Give us an example I'm I'm trying to avoid that Because I don't want to you know
0: You don't want to what This is our platform It is our platform isn't it They can't kick us off our own platform
1: But we started This is such a new relationship with our
0: listeners Look I have the audio. It's our audio. I can do what I want with it.
1: Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, why not just go straight for the moneymaker, right? Abortion. hmm On one side of the aisle, the conversation is presented as we need to protect babies, mm-hmm. right? We need to protect life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But on the other side of the aisle, you have women saying, first off, the conversation can't be reduced to women go out and have frivolous sex Mm -hmm. and then they don't want to have children. And so they abort babies.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I think at like, I've, I've heard so many women eloquently explain that it is dehumanizing to reduce the conversation to that. And it's been reduced to that habitually and purposefully for so long. Mm -hmm. But then secondly, you have this, this conversation being presented as a pro life
2: mm-hmm.
1: conversation and women are trying to just like nuance the conversation and just mm-hmm. say like, look, f- this is not an easy decision. Yep. This is not something I just wake up in the morning and I you know, I just oh yeah, I would love to do this today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All I'm asking is that you allow me to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And for me, like To just be able to allow the nuance to remain Mm -hmm. in the conversation, like I think that's... A reasonable request. But you have so many people who politically want to reduce it out of convenience Mm -hmm. because it's easier to sell. It's easier to put in a commercial and it's easier to dangle in front of the faces of certain groups of people so that you can galvanize them and get them emotional and send them to the polls. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one example of how these conversations get flattened and language gets parsed out purposefully mm-hmm. so that you can like get a certain emotional reaction and you have people on the other side of the aisle like whoa 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 like it's not that simple yeah all I'm asking is for you to keep the gray and keep the nuance in the conversation yeah. and people are refusing to do that
0: yeah. I mean I think what frustrates me sometimes about this conversation and uh, usually around election time around this time I see a lot of my f- some of my friends and followers particularly ones I went to college with talking about well, we just all need to just be able to accept differences of opinion. Oh, my. And as a black man, I think that's complete P.S. <laughs> because some people's opinion is that I don't belong here, and that I'm exactly. less than. And so I can't accept that. But but that's, the thing is, it's not, not acceptable. It's
1: not acceptable because, <laughs> like, those opinions have weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I wonder, I wonder if people forget that those opinions end up Influencing votes. And policy. And policy. And mm-hmm. those policies dictate what rights and mm-hmm. opportunities people have. Mm-hmm. But the conversation keeps being shared like, oh no. It's like just what you an think opinion. what you think doesn't affect people. Your mm-hmm. opinions don't affect people. And I think that's what that's another thing that's making relationships across political minds mm-hmm. difficult because We're not accepting that our thoughts and beliefs actually do have influence Mm, on our lives. And I think it wasn't until the last four years that I really started to grapple with that. I think, you know, i had been voting for a few years before then. And I went to the polls and I was like, yeah, I believe this. I believe that. I'm going to select this box and I'm going to select that box. But now the gravity. Yeah. You know, the gravity is in our faces. And when I step into the polls, I'm like, whoa, I'm thinking of people as I'm, I'm, I'm picturing faces. I'm, I'm picturing faces of people who I don't necessarily share an experience with. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, I don't have, we don't have children yet. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm thinking of children. I'm thinking of, you know, our more seasoned, you know, older citizens, mm-hmm. right? I'm thinking of the LGBTQ population. I'm thinking, you know, I just worry that we're only thinking of ourselves as we step into the polls. And I think voting is an opportunity to not just vote for ourselves, but for people who maybe don't have as much of an opportunity to speak for themselves Mm
0: -hmm. or don't have, don't have the influence or don't
1: have the influence. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So to pull it back in and, and kind of wrap up this, this topic, we've kind of talked about how, a, it's po- polarized. It's very polarizing. Very polarizing, and points of view can vary. But there's also a line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At some point, there's a line. So, but how do you maintain relationships with people, and and when do you decide not to maintain a relationship with somebody? Yikes. Um, and I think, uh, that's a that's a tough thing. I mean, I I have some people in my relationship circle who believe some. I believe very scary what some people would describe yeah. as political things. Um, and so that definitely changes how I engage with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to have a lot of conversations with them.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: because we don't share, we obviously don't share a lot of the same values. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in this political environment, you, you realize that more. Yeah. And I think that is what, Maybe hurts more Is that people that you thought you shared values with When it comes down to it Oh we don't We're not even really on the same page But what, but where I can find At least some ability to look past that Is when once again I know your heart When I know your heart And when I know When I have a relationship with you I know your heart And our differences are not based on Our differences are not and how you treat somebody
2: hmm. or how
0: you respond to somebody. But when it's like like I, the example I brought up before, if we just disagree on, on taxes, on how tax taxes should be levied or collected, that's one thing. Maybe. I think it's one thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it tells me something about your priorities, but it doesn't necessarily tell me a lot about who you are as a person per se.
1: Okay. I'm tracking with you there. Yeah, I think for me, I think for me, and, and the line is fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I think what we're going to come not, away yeah. yeah, from this conversation with is we're not going to give you the the perfect algorithm for deciding which friends to keep mm-hmm. and which, you know, not to. But for me, I'm beginning to learn how people are responding to the suffering of others. Mm, that's good. And that, like, for me, that's that good. just, I don't know. It's just, it's difficult for me to maintain intimate relationships yeah. with people who, when when you, when I've seen them confronted with the suffering of people and how people have suffered as a result of policies yeah. and they dig in their heels and they're not even like willing to just like, yeah. just feel it a little bit. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, okay, th- that makes me a little uncomfortable because- if I end up suffering as a result of some policy that you oppose or disagree with, are you going to also not have empathy for me? Mm -hmm. Like that's the question that, that circles in the back of my mind. Um, and so I think at minimum I've been grateful for the, the few opportunities that I've had to actually say that to someone Mm -hmm. that they've been curious enough to ask, like, well, why don't we really talk about this anymore? Or, You know, I noticed that you kind of get quiet when I say this and I'm grateful for those opportunities because I can be honest and say, well, when you said this last week, that kind of made me wonder if this is what you think and if this is how you, you know, process the suffering of people. And I felt a little uncomfortable.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so I'll, I'll say it at minimum, if someone's willing to have a conversation with me and to kind of process it with me. Then I'm then I'm more willing to lean into the relationship, mm-hmm. and that gives me a little bit of hope. But it's it's hard. Um.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean, em- it comes down to that empathy, like when I was explaining to somebody, I don't know if I'd call them a friend, but somebody I went to school with, um, mm-hmm. going into 2016, and I I reached out to them because they were Republican, and I wanted to know like what. Why, how can you support this? Yeah. Um, and I told them where I was. I was like, this this political climate makes me very afraid for people that look like me, mm-hmm. um, for any people of color. And their whole thing was, well, well, I don't feel comfortable because of this. And, you know, candidly, this was a white woman mm-hmm. um, and didn't even acknowledge what I said at all. And I was like, OK, this is not. Gosh, not worth it. Saving because you don't even, you're not even acknowledging what I'm telling you. Like, yeah, a, a turning point for me in dealing with our having a relationship with people that identify, identify as LGBTQ plus was when they explained to me their experiences. And instead of me either telling them back what their experiences are, disregarding it and saying this is what their experience is, mm-hmm. actually listening to them, yeah, and taking in what they say their experience is because I can't. I wouldn't want somebody to di- dictate to me right. my experience. Right. So what, what helped me to get into a better place of understanding and love is to be able to look at that and say, okay, first of all, I'm not going to discount what you, what, what happened to you right. or, or how you experience sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, But understanding where you are and trying to meet you there.
1: Yeah. And to at least say like, I believe you. Yeah. And I think that and there's
0: power in
1: and just like saying that yeah. and living that yeah, like and not just saying it to just be dismissive, mm-hmm. but to really like, OK, like this person has told me what life is like for them. Mm-hmm. And I believe you. Yeah. And I think that's what's kind of difficult about these cross political conversations is people are just outright saying, I don't believe you mm-hmm. that like you and millions of other people are just lying. Are about- we do the
0: whole suffering Olympics where you're. Well, oh. you I've had it worse than that. Yeah. Oh, you do, oh, well, I did this happened to me. It's like, well, that's not what why are we doing that?
1: <laughs> so so here here's what I will say though, as I'm as I'm listening to you think out loud. I feel, you know I don't like the phrase devil's advocate. Um I'm feeling the opposal uh, the opposing counsel on the other side say, well, what what about the suffering that that people on the other side of the aisle are bringing up right because you mentioned that in this conversation um with that acquaintance that you had that that she brought up well you know this is this is my experience this is how i suffer and so i think hey that's that's a tough question and i'm having to confront myself right now because i feel myself getting defensive with myself <laughs> But I think what we're beginning to call more attention to and this, like within the last four or five years, is that, yes, there there is suffering on both sides, but there's also an accumulation of power and influence, mm-hmm. um, accumulation of wealth and political like influence. Systemically? Systemically.
0: Systemically?
1: Mm. If only there was a term. If only there was a term. Or a theory
0: that would help us.
1: But we're not going to go there. Oh we are no because <laughs> first off, that would lengthen this episode Marcus quite a bit, <laughs> but yes, I mean, if you're listening, you get where we're going here, mm-hmm. right there's there's a there's a larger story, mm-hmm. and there is a history that we can't ignore. Mm-hmm. like our country didn't just pop up in two thousand and sixteen. There are things that we've left undone and unsolved that are still affecting people today. Mm-hmm. And that is the narrative that we're trying to get people to finally like, just accept it. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are a whole other countries that have been willing to put up monuments mm-hmm. and set aside observances, whole days set where they say dollars. dollars, where they say, you know what? We messed up mm-hmm. and we're trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, America just, I don't know. We just chose not to do that.
0: (laughs) We're past that, Micah.
1: Oh, yes. We're moving forward, my bad.
0: America. Yeah. Everything's great.
1: So that's the other part of this conversation is that people are trying to maintain cross-political relationships. And it's more difficult because our history Mm -hmm. is being ignored in that process. Unacknowledged. Yeah.
0: I mean, pretty much. I mean, you could apply that to any relationship. Un, mm. unresolved, uh, unresolved. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Histories, Or unresolved tension or unresolved conflict mm. in any relationship will just eventually eat away at the relationship. Yeah,
1: it's going to come back up.
0: Um, if if you have a problem like we experience, it, if we have mm-hmm. something that's not right between us, if we don't address it, it's Gonna, it doesn't go away it doesn't. we can try to avoid it and roll off of it and go underneath it and act like it's not Assigned standing there in terms to, but, to it <laughs> but one day i'm gonna blow up or you're gonna blow up and then yeah. it's gonna hit us in the face yeah um and so that's the thing with america i think we've it, it this is one of the many times it blew up in our face over the last few years yeah. and so it's put a lot of people in situations where you have to decide you know You have to really be careful about the people you put around you um, and the people that you allow into your relationship circle. Yeah. Um, And some relationships are unsalvageable. Sadly. Um, And some relationships you you figure out how to navigate it. But understanding is an important aspect of that. If there's no understanding, if there's no empathy, if there's no reach. And if there's
1: no belief.
0: And no belief. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Where where both sides are willing to say, you know what? I believe you when you say this is how it affects you. But we're going to set this boundary and maybe we don't talk about this or maybe we don't talk about that. But you can't even set that boundary without Mm
2: -hmm.
1: believing one another. Right. So my hope is that as people are trying to answer this question for themselves, you know, Mm that there's at least opportunities for real, real Mm -hmm. conversation. I think what, what's hard to see is that there are these like layers of awkwardness where people are just kind of dancing around it, being passive aggressive, not really talking about Mm -hmm. it. My hope is that people are able to at least say, you know what? Yeah, I am uncomfortable with what you believe because it has real consequences. Um, so maybe that's the best we can give you guys. I'm sorry, find, y'all.
0: Find your boundary.
1: Find your boundary. Find
0: your boundary, and try to try to fill your circle with people that that understand and love you and have empathy for your experience, even yeah. if they don't fully agree with you politically.
1: Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Well said.
0: I tried. <laughs> I tried. I stumbled through most of this podcast. So I thought I, I did oh, strong.
1: If you were stumbling, I was careening down (laughs) flights of stairs.
0: So, Micah, let's talk about... What did we learn today? What What did we talk about?
1: Well, we spent some time exploring the nuances and the beauty of Lovecraft Country. Yep. And we hope that we didn't scare y'all away with (laughs) particularly my weird explanation at the beginning. Um, That all came down to, yes, please go watch it. Go rewatch it. Do it. Um, And we ended today with a complicated conversation about how to have relationships with people who have very different political views from us. And so as we always say, we don't want this conversation to end here. So head over to Twitter, use the hashtag, hashtag talkaboutitPod, or you can at me on Twitter at spoken worship
0: or me at Malcolm M music. That's Malcolm M. Music.
1: Lots of them. Yes.
0: I had to make it complicated because
1: someone had your handle. Yes. <laughs> so y'all, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for joining us. And as always, let's keep talking about it. Let's keep talking about it.